So good morning again. And as I start and before we uh, open with prayer, I'm going to make a statement and that is the church uh, today impacted by the world. The world is actually becoming grossly immoral uh, and extremely resistant to the things of scripture, to the things of Christ. And so it is becoming more difficult or more of a challenge, if you will, for Christians to stand on the word of God and to live a life according to the word of God. There is quite the uh, pushback, if, if you will. Uh, there is some mild, I will call it, uh, currently persecution here uh, in the States, but there around the world, you will find much greater persecution. You will find that uh, if you, depending on what country you live in, you can be imprisoned for owning a Bible. And if you convert to Christianity, you take your life into your own hands. Yet we have in history, right, we have the record of scripture as well as other historical accounts that even so, uh, Christians in the early church, they stood firm and they continue to stand firm. I would like to say, I believe that this would be the case for us and I hope that it would be. And I believe that so often it takes that challenge or it takes that push for Christians to, 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 to rise and to stand. But yet, looking at the, what I will call, or what some have termed, termed the modern church, I don't know. We seem to want a smooth life. We seem to uh, want a, 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 an easy gospel, if you will. We tend to want really just what the world wants. And we seek, uh, unfortunately, alignment with the world. We seek alignment with the culture. We don't want to stand out, if you will, which is what God wants for us. God wants us to stand out and be noticed. He wants us to glorify his name. He wants, yes, our light to shine, for there to be such a difference in us, yes, that the world sees and that they glorify him. But I'm afraid that so many churches today seek that alignment with the world. They seek to attract the world. And what do I mean? We seek to attract the world. We seek to attract them through our music, through our media, through movies, through our social interactions, through all the programs that we offer. And yet so often we soft shoe or we backpedal and in some cases don't even mention the word of God. I, a dear pastor friend of mine, now deceased, uh, once said, how can a modern church get along with an antique God? God who doesn't change. Jesus Christ, what the same? Today, yesterday, and forever. Our text for today comes out of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And it's 
a chapter that is called really the faith chapter, the hall of faith, the heroes of the faith, the hall of fame, or whatever you will, but that's where our lesson comes from. And where our focus really is that first verse. And that first verse which says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it's interesting because we find many popular, very popular, but unbiblical um, preachers who, in, in speaking of faith, will, will tell you and, and, sh and say that faith is, your, is, the, is the way that you get what you want from God. If you have enough faith, you can create your own destiny. If you have enough faith, God will, God will lift you out of poverty. He will make you successful uh, on the job. He will repair those relationships that are strained. You get what you want from God. You can get your blessing or your miracle or your breakthrough. What is that? What does that mean? And I will tell you, I'm blessed just because I know God. I'm blessed. I don't care what kind of day I have. Walking with God is a blessing. Salvation is a blessing. Knowing that he will never leave me nor forsake me is a blessing. And generally what these, again, very popular, but unbiblical leaders mean in terms of blessings, in terms of breakthroughs, is something completely different from the scripture. You think, as, as Christ spoke in his Sermon on the Mount, what it means to be truly blessed or blessed. It, it's, it's very different. So again, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your grace, Lord, that you poured out, Lord, on us. Lord, as you gave your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. We thank you, Lord, for the grace you give to us to walk, Lord, day by day. Oh God, that you, for the access that you give us, Lord, to you. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that as we share this morning, that we would share, Lord, your truth from your word. Lord, I pray that you would help me to get out of the way, Lord, so that you can speak, Lord, your truth through me. And Father, we pray, O oh God, that you would give each of us, Lord, listening ears, that we would hear, Father, what you are speaking to us. And Lord, may this word, Lord, your living word, help guide us, Lord, not just today, but, O oh God, for life. Let it be so, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so in this uh, first verse of Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so one of the first things the writer does here is he gives or a description of, of faith and, and, and what it is. And you see, this is uh, something that is, is very necessary. You know, and when he says what it is, he says it is the substance of things hoped for. 
It is the assurance of things that are hoped for. It is the foundation of those things that are hoped for in the Christian life. And this is not, this is not, what it is not is, it is not the key, right? To, to getting what I want from God. It is, the Christian life is not all about what I want. The Christian life is about hearing from God, reading his word, applying his word faithfully, following his will, doing what he would have you to do. Again, and I've, I've shared this in the past and I will say it again. We will not be rewarded for what we did for God. We will be rewarded for what God was able to do in and through us. It is not about my will. It's, you know, it's not, faith is not, right? Unlocking the hand of God. First of all, God's hand's not locked. And if it was, guess what? I couldn't open it. As a matter of fact, I would be a fool, right? To seek to tell God how to lead me. He knows all. He's wise. And how would foolish, how can foolish me, anybody here, done a good job of leading your own life? Yeah. And so, I don't want my way. I don't want my destiny. I want God's will. I want his success, if you will. And faith, it is the substance of things hoped for. It is that foundation, it is that assurance. It is the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. And you see, this faith comes from God. You think about it. We don't even have the faith to get saved. But, but by grace are you saved through faith, right? And that not of yourselves, it is the what? Gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the scripture further says in, in Romans 12, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God gives us enough faith to, to receive him, to accept him, to believe his word, and to grow in him. He gives it to all of us. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What it really means, what faith really is, is, is believing that God will do all that he said he will do. And trusting in him, and so, and so trusting in him that I am willing to walk his way, even if it jeopardizes my career, if it jeopardizes my freedom, if it jeopardizes my esteem, whatever it costs, I'm willing to do because I know, I know that God, what God has in the end is good for me, and I know that I'm going to receive the promise. Amen? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you see, this church needed it. This group of people, these group of Hebrews needed it. Why? And for that, we're going to back up to the 10th chapter of, of, of Hebrews, right? And in the 10th chapter of Hebrews, beginning at first, verse 19, he says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us, 
through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Basically, he, he's saying to them, look, each of us now, right, can, be, can confidently come before God. We don't have to go through what? Priests. We don't have to hear, quote unquote, if you will, from the, the, the prophet. We, we can hear from God directly, correct? Even though he has set up a system in the church where we still need leaders, where we still need one another. But again, we can have confidence to day by day by day go to God for ourselves because of what? Because of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross in sacrificing his life. We're told that what? The veil in the temple, right? Which <clears throat> separated, which, which kept others out of the ho most holy place. It was what? It was torn from where? From top to bottom, indicating who tore it? Who gave access? God gave access to himself. We have that access and we can confidently go before him day by day. And he says, let us draw near with a, tr with a true heart and full assurance. And when he says in verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. You see, this is a church that was under persecution. These are people that were, were being persecuted, that were being, yes, mocked, ridiculed. They were being imprisoned. They were being harmed. They suffered the loss of their goods. Their lives were being taken. And so, and the temptation was to quit. The temptation also was because they had been involved, right, in, the, uh, in, a, in, a, in a salvation that was based on the law, that was based on works. And I will tell you a very difficult thing that when I, when I share the gospel with those who have been involved in religion or, or faiths that are based on work, it is hard sometimes to get them to understand salvation by, by grace through faith. And so you had those that, within, that were worshipers that were wanting to go back or tempted to go back to this system of, of rituals, this system of, of ceremonial laws, this system of sacrifice. And he's saying, hold on, hold on to your faith. And sometimes, right, we as Christians, because of what we struggled through, sometimes we have to be told what? We have to be encouraged what? Hold on. Anybody ever need someone to say, hold on? The word of God is true. Don't give up. You will receive the promise. And so the danger, there were some who were wavering. There were some, and we won't turn there, but if you look at uh, Hebrews, the fifth chapter, there were some who, because they weren't practicing their faith, because uh, they weren't really in the word of God. They weren't being strengthened, and so they were weak. I shared with the youth this week that their <laughs> research shows that only 32% of people that, uh, that attend church regularly say 
they read the Bible on a, on a daily basis. 32%, think about that. How can, that per, how can those persons be strengthened? How, do, how can we grow without it? We don't. And so we've dealt with this in the past, but he's, this is where this passage comes in, of, of verses 24 and 25, when he says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, the works that God has prepared for us, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting, encouraging, strengthening one another. And he says, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. He says, you, we, need to, we need to be strengthening one another. We need that strength from one another. We need uh, to be building up the faith of one another. But then he adds something here, right? In verse 26, he says, for if we sin willfully, you see, there were those there that, yes, they were in the faith. Uh, they were struggling. They were wavering. There were those also that understood the truth of the gospel, but yet had not embraced the gospel, yet had not surrendered their, their lives to him. And he, he, and he adds on, he says, for if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Guess what? If I reject the cross in terms of salvation, if I reject repentance, if I reject him, guess what? There's no other way of salvation. A lot of churches won't say it now, but Jesus Christ says, I am the way, what? The truth and the life. No man, what? Cometh unto the Father, but by me. And as you, as you said that with me, as you repeated that with me, I've got to say, you're probably a church full of narrow-minded, ignorant bigots, right? That's what we'd be called if we, if, for believing that today. But yet it's the truth. There is no more sacrifice for sin. Jesus Christ is it. He says, but a fearful looking for of judgment, fiery indignation or fiery wrath, which shall devour the adversaries or the enemies. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sore or worse punishment suppose ye he, he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood, the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense or I will repay, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But then he turns again, he says, but call to remembrance the former days, right? Call to remembrance, right? The beginning of your salvation, he says, in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Call to the time when you first got saved, when, 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 you, when you felt the persecution, when it came and it, and it was steady, when you were in the fight, don't forget, do not forget these days. And he says, uh, partially while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, 
and partially while ye became companions of them that were so used. And so he says, not only, right? Not only were you willing to become a reproach, not only were you willing to be mocked and to, uh, to be ridiculed, not only were you, be, were you willing to be made a spectacle, you were willing to, to lose your goods, you were willing to be in prison, you were willing to be persecuted, but he said also, you were willing to ally yourself, right? There's a certain group, right? I don't know what they mean when they talk about ally, but he's saying you're willing to ally yourself with those who were suffering, with those who were being persecuted. You ever been in trouble, ever, been, ever struggled at a time in your life and all of a sudden everybody disappears? He says, you weren't like that. You supported those who were struggling. You supported those who were being persecuted. He, he adds to this, the writer, he says, for ye had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Hmm, wait a minute. They took what? How? The spoiling of their goods? The loss of their possessions? The ravaging of their things? They took, they took it joyfully. It sounds like they believe something that Christ spoke right in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are they which are persecuted, right? For righteousness' sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say, what? All manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. He adds, what? Rejoice. Anybody here rejoice in those times? Wave your hand, say, amen, loud amen if you do, right? <laughs> but he says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. And you see, they needed to, to know this. They uh, needed to be reminded of this faith. And he says, as he says again, when he said, they took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves, they knew that in heaven they had a what? A what? A much better, right? A much more enduring substance. Look here. There's a choice between what God has for me in heaven and the stuff you have down here. Guess what I want? You can keep this stuff, right? But unfortunately, we have to be reminded, right? Because the, the, our natural bent, right, is to, to go and to seek after the things that we can see. The things that we can see. And so we have to be reminded that there's a more enduring substance. There's something much better. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward or great repayment. For ye have need of patience. After that ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. How many of you know that Jesus is coming back someday? How many of you know that he will not tarry? And if I have that kind of confidence, how does that encourage me then to live now. Does that make a difference? 
He's coming again. Keep that in mind. Live for the future, not just for today. <clears throat> now the just shall live by faith. And this is where you link it this to that <clears throat> 11th chapter, verse 1. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And he adds in 39, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition or hopelessness or destruction or ruin, but of them that believe, what? To the saving of the soul. We are those that believe to the saving of the souls. We are th those who, who know that one day we will receive the promise. I haven't seen it with my physical eyes, right? I don't, no one, no, no one has ever has come to me and been able to tell me about it, but yet I know. I know because God has said it. I know because where it says in, in, in I think, 1st or 2nd Corinthians, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared, prepared for them that love him. Yet, he's, he's, shown, he's given it to us spiritually. He's let us know. And so we have a very real confidence that we will receive the promise. We have a very real confidence that we will spend eternity with him. And this causes me to live a, a different kind of life. And so, just as they needed encouragement, we need encouragement. And then we, as we get into chapter 11, right? This, this hall of faith. And we'll pick some selected verses, but I will say, read this chapter and, and, and others um, uh, later. It says in verse four, right? By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. And it says, so look, Abel was a righteous man. God testified of his righteousness. God testified of the, of the, of the sacrifice that he gave. And he says, and, and by it he being dead yet continues to speak. His life still tells a story, right? But, but wait a minute. Brother, uh, I don't know if I like the end of Abel, right? He died because of his righteousness. He died because of his faith. Hmm. Hmm. Having faith does not always mean that things are going to work out like I wanted to. But understand, it will always work out to the glory of God and will always work out whether I understand it or not for my good. You see, what's the best thing for me? What is the best thing for me? That I live the kind of life I want to live? The length that I want to live? Where I want to live? Or is the best for me what God has? Do I want my way or do I want to hear him say one day, well done, a good and faithful servant? By dropping down to verse seven, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Speaking of Noah, how would you like to be Noah? God calling him, Noah, it's going to rain. Noah, Noah, build an ark. 
And here are the specifications. Build it, Noah, not near the water, right? Build it in the middle of nowhere. How would you like to be Noah? Hey, y'all, let's go down. Let's go over there and, and, and see this coop Noah. He's building this boat in the middle of nowhere, saying it's going to rain. By the way, what's that? Rain. Never, rain never rained before. This had never happened before. So he's some kook, I mean, and over 100 years, right, he's building this thing. How would you like to be him? Anybody like to be rid- mocked and ridiculed? <laughs> right? We, uh, we refer to it as bullying today, right? <laughs> yeah. But yet, he was prepared when the flood came, and he, it, he did save his house. He did save uh, the souls and the animals that, that he was supposed to save. And so he, he is listed here in this, um, in this hall of faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles or in tents with, his, with, with Isaac and, and Jacob, with his sons, heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Think about it. What am I looking for? Day by day, what am I looking for? Think about it. We tend to focus, right? Immediate and here. We don't think about what how I live today impacts eternity or impacts my eternity. But he says, he looked for a city which has true foundations, whose builder and maker is God. What do you want to live? When I think about what's going on in some of our major cities right now, right? I don't want any part of that. I want a city that has foundations. One built, one created by God. Said through faith, Sarah, her Sarah, right? herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was what? Past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Ladies, I'm not gonna ask how many of you, if God said uh, you're gonna have a son, (laughs) how many of you would believe that? Right? Be a tough one, wouldn't it? As I look at faces. Oh, but he says, therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. I mean, there was no life-giving force in the loins of Abraham. But him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. But then it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Hmm, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Anybody here seek a country? Anybody here seeing afar off? Anybody here thinking not about retirement, 
not about when the kids graduate, not about this or that, but thinking of looking afar off, seeking that country. Anybody here saying, I'm a stranger and I'm a pilgrim here on the earth? This earth is not my home. This is not the end for me. So things don't have to work out just so here for me. I'm able to do what God wants me to do because I know that I have a much better end. A much better end. And it says in verse 16, but now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. Hmm. Do I want God to be ashamed to be called my God? I do not. I want to live for him. It goes on in speaking of Abraham and his, and his willingness to sacrifice Isaac. And he says, basically, the, the reason he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, even though God had so told him that in Isaac shall your seed be called. He is the seed of promise. Abraham thought, Abraham understood, hey, if God is calling me to sacrifice Isaac, surely he's going to bring, resurrect him from the dead. And so God is going to keep his promise to me. But we know that's not what God wanted, and God stopped him before he could sacrifice Isaac, but this is the faith of Abraham. We drop down to verse 23 in Moses. It says, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Hmm, interesting. There will be times in our lives, right? when we'll have to make a decision. Am I going to do what is right? Or am I going to satisfy some authority or some other person? There'll be a time. What am I going to do? Am I going to face that fear and do what is right? He says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He could have lived the best kind of life, the best, he could have had every indulgence. But he says he chose in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. In other words, Moses looked and Moses said, he made, Moses made a decision. There was a scale, right? On one hand, right? There is suffering affliction with the people of God. On the other hand, this, the, the treasures of Egypt. Well, guess what? He said, look, it wasn't even a decision. Right? The, re suffering, the re suffering approach and affliction with the people of God, there's a much greater reward, he says, for that. It's not even a, a tough decision. How about for me? How about for us? Is it a tough decision? Am I willing to suffer affliction or to, to suffer shame, if you will, if necessary, with the people of God because of what I believe, because of how I live my life? 
And then I'm going to drop down to verse 32 and it says, and what shall I say more? What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made, were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens or, or the, the foreigners. So time would fail me to tell of them. He turns again, verse 35, women received their dead, dead raised to life again, and others, he said, were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Can you imagine such a choice? Is that a choice that you can see, that I can see myself making? Being tortured, not accepting deliverance, because I choose, I want a better resurrection. You see, really what this message is about, right? Is where's my focus? What is my choice day by day? What is it that I truly want? Do I want the best of this life? Do I want to achieve my goals? Do I want my own satisfaction? Do I want my children to achieve, quote unquote, their goals? Is that what I want, want for them? Or do I want them to know God? Or do I want them to live a life of faith? Do I want them to have the faith as some of these saints? Or do I want to preserve them? and shelter them? Do I want my way for them? They were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, and he adds, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. And so these were these heroes of faith, they had these accomplishments, and, but understand something. The reason they had these accomplishments was not because this was their will, they were, they were doing their thing. In each case, they were called by God to accomplish a, a mission. And they were, they were faithful to God, they were trusting him. And they were willing to sacrifice life, freedom, health, wealth, relationships, they were willing to sacrifice all in order to accomplish the will of God. It begins, yes, they were able to accomplish these things by faith, but understand it begins with a godly vision or it begins with the word of God. Not my will, not my desire, but his.
and I will say it ends, right? If we look at and what they were seeking and what we want to seek. I'll start again at Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And verse 2 adds, for by it the elders obtained a good report. I want a good report. Dropping down to uh, verse 6, it says, but without faith, and this is after the translation of Enoch, right? It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe, first of all, that he is, that he is God, and what? That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Another thing we shared with the youth, uh, there was a CEO, he made a statement, he says, in terms of life and living your life, he says, if you don't live it, you don't believe it. If you don't live it, you don't believe it. And the way the scripture says that, right, is faith without works is what? Dead. So we want a good report. But there's a conflict, right? There's a conflict in trusting in things not seen, believing God for what he, to, that he will do exactly what he says. And that conflict was what? Day by day life, right? Day by day life. How many here, right? Your life, every day, smooth, perfect. No issues, no challenges. Everybody's nice to you, right? Husband's nice, wife, sweet as she can be. Boss, oh, just praises you all day long, right? That's life, right? I don't see any hands. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Day by day, right? Challenges will come. Irritations will come. I can't believe what my wife said yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah. I'd be a much better husband if it wasn't for her, right? She's not here, I can say this, right? <laughs> Oops, oh, oh, ouch. <laughs> I didn't see it back there. <laughs> I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> but things happen. Things happen, right? And when those things happen, how do we feel? Well, praise the Lord for the challenge, right? You know? <clears throat> the natural thing happens. What's the natural thing is, first of all, I feel it. it my feeling, right? I'm irritated, angry, I'm sad, or I'm exhilarated, right? Because so the emotion comes, right? But in addition, right, during that time, who else is there? You know, we have an enemy, right, who seeks to tell us, who, who seeks to cause us to respond in the wrong, or, to, or rather, to react to things, right? And how do we react sometimes? Gave him a piece of my mind. He won't say that again, right? I quit. I don't have to take this. Done. Right? 
Oh, I mopped the floor with that guy. Right? It happens, doesn't it? Hmm. I'm leaving. Done. I don't have to take this. We feel those things. But at the same time, right, the Holy Spirit is right there. Convicting us, reminding us what? Here's how to respond. Here's, here's what I'm seeking, right, to build in your life. Here's how I'm seeking to strengthen your life. So that hopefully, right, as I, if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, as he reminds me of the word of God, right, then I respond and not react. And I respond in a biblical way. It's not all about me. I don't respond with irritation. I learn character. I learn what it means to love others. Contrary to popular opinion or belief, it's not easy sometimes to love your own family. And so, with this conflict, by faith, right, I want to respond in the way that God wants me to respond. I want to respond. In, in uh, Second Peter, I believe, the first chapter, somewhere around verse 4, it says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then it tells us to add some things to our faith. And it goes on to say, and he, who, those who don't do this are blind and they don't see afar off. Again, as I walk day by day, I want to look out in the future. I want to understand what a difference walking faithfully with God will make, not just in my life, right? But in the lives of others who God has placed around me. I want to make a real difference. I want to be listed somewhere in, in God's hall of fame as, as someone who, who walked faithfully with him, who was able to accomplish not my goals, not my will, but the will of God because of my faithfulness because I didn't quit, because I didn't waver, because I didn't give up. That's what I want. I'll close out of James 4, James 3 and 4, here. In James 3, beginning at verse 13, he says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Let him show by his behavior, his conduct, with his works with meekness of wisdom. He says, but if you have what? Bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. So bitterness, envying, strife says, guess what? I'm not trusting God. 
God would love to root those things. As those things come, right? God would love to root those things out of me. But it, but it happens as I respond to his Holy Spirit. He says, this wisdom descended not from above, but is earthy, earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. This typifies my life. But then he goes on in verse <clears throat> 1 of chapter 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war and ye have not because ye ask not. Right? You've heard this one before, right? Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. You want it so you can say, hey, guess what? I got it so that you can enjoy it, so that you can, hey, hey, it's mine. We want it just for myself. Or I want to be able to say, I want people to look at me and to admire me and, and see all that I have and see how I'm admired. I want, I, I want, if you will, the esteem of man. But then he says, ye adulterers and adulteresses? Really? Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And it goes on, but I'm going to stop there. Again, what I want, what I want is the things of Christ, the things of God. I want to achieve his will. I want to place my trust in him and follow him in all things. So that, and I want my life to be lived so that when there's conflict, when the anger comes, when the bitterness comes, when the disappointment comes, that I'm able to pause and hear the Holy Spirit and able to set aside my will for his. Amen? Things hoped for. In your life, in my life, what are the things hoped for? Because the part of the problem is I'm hoping for the wrong things. I'm hoping for the stuff now versus the things of Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we are poor tools, Lord, to convey, Lord, your truth. Yet your truth, Lord, stands. Your word, Lord, is quick and powerful, sharper, Lord, than any two-edged sword. And we pray, O oh God, and know, Lord, that it is such this morning. And we pray, Lord, that as your truth, Lord, has gone out, that we would exchange, Lord, our thoughts for your thoughts. Our ways, Lord, for your ways. 
Lord, may we surrender our own will, our own lusts. And seek, Lord, the kingdom. Seek first, Lord, the kingdom. Let it be so, Father, is our prayer in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. If the worship team will come. And as they come, I will share this. On Wednesday, I came to, no, that wasn't Wednesday, it was Friday. <laughs> I came to church from a, from a work event, and I, I hesitated to ask um, Brother Dave if he would lead a certain song. And uh, I guess we still have that song, right? <laughs> and uh, he looked at me with, with puzzlement. And uh, he pulled Warren into it and he says, uh, that's already on the list. And so I said, thank you, Lord. Because I really felt like it's a, it was the appropriate song for us to end with. And so as, as we sing this song together, Consider the words and consider this is my testimony to the Lord. But thank you. <laughs> 